Welcome to episode 17 of the Running Around Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Glenn Smith. We've got a great episode for you, but let's take a moment to recap episodes 15 and 16. Episode 15 shared the adventures of David Flax at the National Senior Games in New Mexico and Nick Clustava at the Grandma's Half Marathon in Minnesota. There were also race reports from Mike Vale from the Twilight Trail Race, myself from the uh, Arbutus Firecracker 10K. We also shared the second installment in the Marathon Training Series featuring TJ, Brian, and myself as we prepare for fall marathons with Coach Buddy's Guidance. Our interview was with Megan DiGregorio. Megan has been very prominent on the local running scene for over a decade as a runner, a race director, and in the fitness industry. Megan came on to share the highlights from her career, the struggles, and her goals for the next stage of her running journey. Episode 16 was a special Fifth Monday episode which featured Coach Buddy Weber as the guest host, and I was his interview subject. It was fun sharing more of my story with all of you, and I hope that you enjoyed hearing it. This week's interview is with Henry Peck. Henry has a long and distinguished career as a runner, locally, regionally, and nationally. Henry is one of the greatest advocates for the local running community, and he's still a very big part of it, striving to achieve his own running goals. Be warned, listening to this interview will probably have you pretty fired up about your own running and endurance events by the end of it. We'll hear from Henry in a bit, but let's start with some race reports. Now for a race report on the Sweet Air Trail Race, which was run on July 14th, 2019, uh, along the Little Gunpowder River. Uh, this was a joint venture between the Baltimore Roadrunners Club and the Harford County Running Club. I ran this race, and uh, I'm also going to welcome on Coach Buddy, who ran this race as well. Thanks for coming on to talk about this race, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me, Glenn. So uh, we had kind of uh, hot, humid conditions out there, and... Uh, it hadn't rained so much except for one day a few days before, uh, so I was hoping for dry conditions, uh, but that's not quite what we got, uh, was it? Yeah, I think we got a little bit of a taste of it when we went out for a, a warm-up about 20 minutes before the race. Uh, while we only covered about a mile and a half, I think we ventured into a little mud that was kind of just a, a, a forewarning of what was to come. Yeah, uh, we definitely, anytime we got close to the Little Gunpowder River, we got uh, some of the shoe-suckingest mud I've ever uh, seen. I'm slipping and sliding all over the place. Uh, luckily, kept my feet uh, through that. Uh, how did you fare going through the mud, especially since you uh, couldn't find your trail shoes and you're in your uh, in some old road runners there? Yeah, I, uh, I, I couldn't find my uh, trail running shoes. Uh, I still haven't found them, so I'm probably headed out for a new pair. Uh, but uh, I I uh, I got through them through the most part. I kept my shoes on, uh, but I did lose a hat. A sticker bush kind of caught me as uh, I was trying to da- dance around a one of the muddiest parts, and uh, the sticker bush grabbed my hat, and I kept going, and the hat landed bill down right into the mud. Yeah, and it definitely made for a fun photo after uh, that race was over that I can't wait to share with everybody. Uh, it- made for quite a scene but uh you know it was i thought it was a good course overall uh you know a lot of single track through the woods there uh you know a decent amount of roots and rocks uh few uh, sustained climbs but uh you know nice woodland uh course with a few uh cornfield uh paths along the way what did you think of the course uh, i i thought the 
course was pretty good. Um, as you know, Glenn, I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time on the trails and I probably still can count on two hands the number of times I've been on trails. This is my third race. Uh, I thought overall the, the course was relatively flat compared to the previous two races that I ran. But like you said, there were some uh, hills along the way to challenge you. Uh, a lot more single track than uh, I've run before. Uh, clearly more mud than I've ever been before. I, I saw a post on Strava that someone said that mile five was nothing but a mud bog. Uh, but um, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the, the hills weren't anything to the point of uh, being absolute killer. I thought there were a couple hills in a Super Bowl trail race that were more uh, more tougher. And uh, also in the, the, the gunpowder race back uh, before Memorial Day, that um, that that had a, a couple of hills that were were tougher than what we faced uh, during at sweet air uh what was new to me uh was uh actual river crossings uh, there had been stream crossings along the way where yeah okay i dipped my toe in no big deal uh but there were two stream crossings that were a minimum of shin to knee deep yeah and uh one thing about that it was sort of nice as cold as the water was uh to kind of cool us off heat of the day and actually wash a little bit of that mud off. But uh, you had a little bit of trouble with one of them, didn't you? Yeah, one of them, uh, I, I stepped down and it went a little bit further down than I expected. I ended up going in on all fours. Uh, however, uh, I, I probably should have just gone ahead and, and, and took a full dunk there, but uh, I just my legs and my arms got wet and then uh, I, I, I jumped out and kept on going. But there were two hikers on the other side of the the river that uh, saw me take a dunk and they got a, a good good laugh out of it well it sounds like you had fun out there anyway but uh how did you feel as far as the race performance that uh this one went for you uh, glenn i i don't know a kind of mix there's some things where I've, i felt i did really well and others i like well you know i probably could have been more prepared for uh the technical challenges that were there uh so kind kind of mixed, and I think it's just uh, I need to get more time on the the trails to feel a little more comfortable out there. How about you? Honestly, I think this was uh, my best trail race so far. Which I know you you think I'm a trail expert, but I only have a few trail races under my belt, uh, and every one of them previous to this, I had either fallen, twisted my ankle, or both. So the fact that I came out of this one unscathed, despite leaving my ankle brace at home, which I should have brought. Um, that was the the first uh, you know sign that it was a good race for me. The other is I you know went against my normal instinct, which is to just go out there and uh, and push it from the beginning and then try to hold on at the end. I decided to stick with some veteran trail runners like uh, Mike Vale and uh, Dave Seal uh, for quite a bit of the race, and then pushed a little bit at the end, um, which uh, they were running much longer trail races this weekend at Contacted and. Uh, uh, Rosaryville, so they were kind of holding back at the end, but you know, I saved a little bit for the end and uh, you know, finished uh, you know, pretty strong for, for what I was expecting out there. So, all in all, pretty pleased at how it went. Uh, so, buddy, um, that thanks for so much for coming on to talk about Sweet Air. And uh, uh do you have any other races upcoming, maybe another trail race upcoming? Uh, actually with me being in off season mode, I'm not training for anything specific. Uh, I, I, the races that I'll do will be truly opportunistic whether, when I've got the time to do them and it fits in my schedule, doing an awful lot of travel for work. So, uh, I, I'm not always able to do as much racing I'd like, but, uh, if, if one fits in my schedule, I'll definitely be there. 
All How right. No trail races for me. I've got a little bit of pacing work to, to do coming up here uh, with the Charles Street 12 in uh, August and possibly that Susquehanna River Rutting Festival again in September. But uh, I think I'm going to hold off on racing right now uh, while I focus on my marathon training. Very good. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Glenn. Tocton 50K Trail Run was held on Saturday, July 20th, 2019. To tell us about it, I'll be speaking with Dave Seal, a veteran trail runner who runs with the Faster Bastards. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Dave. Thanks. Appreciate it. Glad to be here, Glenn. So I saw you uh, about six days before this race uh, running out there at the Sweet Air Trail Race, and uh, you kind of had an eye towards Catoctin already. It was pretty warm where we were out at Sweet Air. Uh, what did you do to train for uh, what you do to be hot and humid conditions, uh, you know, in late July for this race? Yeah, I mean, I have been uh, trying to heat adapt from, I guess, ever since I signed up for Catoctin. I mean, I even knew ahead of time. So once I started running in May and it kind of got up in the heat, you know, I, I knew last year when, um, I started kind of really getting into ultras that heat was going to be something that I kind of struggled with. And a lot of people that I talked to said that, you know, you just got to run in the heat and you'll get used to it. And I did that last summer. And then I ran the Maryland Heat 25K and everyone was complaining about how, you know, humid it was. And I was like, you know, it's just like it's always been this whole summer. <laughs> so that was my approach. And uh, going into Catoctin, I definitely had some some hot long runs, both on the Catoctin Trail. I also, uh, I think one of my hotter runs was running from Bethany Beach to Rehoboth and and back to Bethany on along the coastal highway, which was just kind of brutal. The last seven miles of that run were just brutal. So I was ready for heat, that's for sure. Yeah, it sounded like you went with the old uh, ultra runners adage uh, that you just have to embrace the suck. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's it. So you said you had trained a little bit out there on the Catoctin course. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it for those who may not have been out there before, uh, you know, what sort of conditions they had for you and, uh, maybe a little bit about the race experience, uh, that they put together for you. Sure. No problem. So the, um, the Catoctin trail, um, or the Catoctin hiking trail basically goes from Gambrel's state park, uh, through kind of the Frederick watershed, some public lands there, and then um, into what I guess is there's the Catoctin Mountain Park as well as Cunningham Falls State Park. Um, and the, the actual 50K runs from Gambrels to the Manor Parking Area, which is in Catoctin uh, Mountain Park and then back. So it's, it's basically about 16 miles from Gambrels to, to the manor parking area. And then you, you run back and, um, you know, the course itself is, uh, kind of classic beast coast is what I would say. It's, it's 
kind of unrelenting ups and downs and tons and tons of rocks. You have to be ready to run on rocks and jump around rocks and hop over rocks. It's, it's pretty rocky the whole way. So if, you know, if you've run on the AT, it's very similar. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some runnable sections and there's some Jeep trails and, uh, smoother sandy areas where you can definitely get some good strides in, but for them, you know, I think what really struck me was definitely the rockiness of the, uh, of the course. And so going out there and familiarizing myself with it, both because I had heard that, you know, people do get lost out there or take wrong turns. And that was the case for some runners. Um, it is very easy to do. And I did it both times when I was doing my long runs out there. And, uh, but you know, this time I think it was super worth doing two long runs out there and just getting to know the course. And, uh, because I was able to just cruise through kind of more or less knew where I was going the whole time. Yeah. I'd always heard that about Catoctin as well, that, uh, you really, uh, they leave it up to the racers to know what they're getting into and to know what the trail is going to be like and do their homework. Yeah. Well, they don't, yeah, they don't, they don't really course market. So, I mean, there's like few areas that are course marked but you're basically following the trailblazes which uh are well done but you know at some junction if you don't obviously see one of their blue blazes uh it can get very easy to to turn off for sure yeah and if you're used to you know having those confidence ribbons or uh you know trail flags pretty regularly it might be a little unnerving so you know it seems like a very old school race uh, especially in the amenities department, uh, you know, it seems like kind of a no frills, uh, type of deal. Uh, yeah, what, what yeah. kind of things did they have in store for you there? Well, I mean, they're very upfront with, and I, I kind of love this about this race and, and, and really the East coast, they don't, they don't pander to, uh, the elites or anyone. It's just good grassroots trail running. And, um, you know, basically you just, all you really get is if you want to buy a t-shirt, you on ultra sign up, you pay for a t-shirt, which I did. And the t-shirt's great this year. I'm super stoked for the t-shirt. Uh, so you get a t-shirt and then you get kind of the infamous cat card, which is, uh, just a plastic laminated card that says that you did the, did the race and uh, a few other quips. You know, it basically says that you're a proud survivor of the hilly, rocky, gnarly, no frills, rough and tumble Catoctin 50K trail run. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely that way. And um, I think people tend to embrace it. You know, I mean, I, I think it, it definitely lives up to, definitely lives up to the hype and it definitely lived up to the hype this year with the, uh, hundred plus degree weather for sure yeah it, and that was definitely a concern for a lot of folks even other veteran trail runners i had spoken with uh were kind of going out there with a little bit of a uh, nervousness knowing what they had coming up for them so uh we know you were prepared but uh you know how did the racers in general fare uh with the dnf rate look like or 
you know, was it kind of a struggle fest out there for it your fellow was, runners? It was definitely a struggle fest. And I'm not going to lie. I myself, I mean, even though I trained for the heat, I was still nervous. I mean, it's, it's, you don't mess around when it's going to be that hot and you really have to plan ahead. Um, and you know, I'm not sure what other people's story backstories were, but it was a 46% finishing rate. So, uh, I think there were 64 DNFs total out of, um, maybe 150 ish, 140 ish runners. So yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely pretty brutal. Definitely people, um, bunch of people got stung by some yellow jackets. Um, no one luckily got saw or got, um, bit by a rattlesnake, which, uh, I, on one of my long runs had encountered the famous Seymour rattlesnake of the Catoctin trail. He's kind of a, he's kind of a, uh, famous mascot for them out there, uh, as I learned. Uh, and I had run into him and that was the first time that I'd ever come upon a, a venomous snake, uh, out in the wild. And it was definitely kind of nerve wracking. So, and the area where the snake kind of lives is known. And so it's flagged. So people know it and, and definitely both times while I was running through during the race, I was like, okay, just going to sprint through this section. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, yeah, it was pretty brutal out there and, and the heat definitely got to people. There were definitely some cases of, you know, heat exhaustion and, uh, and people just struggling, but the, the aid stations were well, uh, well equipped. I mean, even though they do say that it's no frills, the aid stations, the volunteers were all super awesome. They had a ton of ice uh, on the ready at the turnaround. They had popsicles for everyone. So it was very well organized in terms of being prepared for the race. But I think, you know, it, it, doesn't matter how much ice is there as long as if, if if you're not taking care of yourself and hydrating and making sure that you have enough ice on you at, at certain times um it can get to you it can definitely get to you and it got obviously to a lot of people so yeah it was pretty brutal out there yeah the, it, it definitely sounds like it was a it was a tough go for a lot of folks but uh you know, so how did the race go for you? I mean, how did you fare out there and did you feel like your training held up? Yeah. So I started out, so here's, so along with the icing, you know, there were kind of three parts to the way that I approached this. And the first one was, um, obviously the training part and, um, you know, uh, Meg Landymore is my coach. Um, she's a local trail runner, um, lives down in Pasadena and, and is, just a super badass in her own right. Um, so she really got me cranking on just doing lots of, lots of hills, lots of hill repeats. Um, and, and really I felt really strong going physically going into the race and obviously had run on the course before. So I felt really good in terms of that. And then when it came to the heat, I, 
two days before I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, how am I going to do this? And I, I had seen at Western States and different places, you know, um, that guys were putting ice in their buffs. So I made sure to have like a buff where I could like put, um, packs of ice around my neck. Um, but then as I was kind of going over all my gear, I discovered I had this like insulated sleeve that had come with my Solomon running pack. And it basically is like this insulated sleeve that, uh, you put your, the bladder in and it helps to insulate the blad, the water from your body, essentially. Um, and what I did was I basically planned to throw ice in there. So I basically had this transportable ice pack that I kept at least half filled with ice the entire time. Um, and I really think between that and ice um around my neck and the coke slurpee that my fiance brought to me at the turnaround uh i think those three things really served me well and i really didn't the heat was not a factor for me at all until maybe the very towards the end of the race which was when it was hottest but you know it could be a number of other things um you know i felt really good all the way the 16 miles through the uh, um, to the turnaround. Um, I came back, headed up a real big climb up to white rocks and then, uh, kept on rallying and it was really great up until about mile 27, 26, 26 or 27. So there's a last, the last aid station is six miles out from the finish which is kind of a long, it's, it's a fairly long way. And it was definitely, it was definitely hard. Um, it was the heat of the day. I loaded up obviously my ice pack. Um, so I had ice. Um, but I think at that point, you know, I think we were, I was somewhere around like 4,500 feet of vert. So I'd been climbing a good amount and I just kind of lost gas to a certain extent and I was still moving well, but, um, I had kind of in the back, I, I don't hold myself necessarily to huge goals, but I held in the back of my mind that I wanted to do sub eight hours, but I knew that with the heat and all of the extenuating circumstances that might not be in the cards. And, uh, and just towards the end, I, I just struggled and there's like, you come down, um, you come down kind of, and then you have to, the last, gosh, it must've been the last two miles you go up, uh, probably two really good climbs to the finish line. So it's, <laughs> they, they don't make it easy. Um, that's for sure. Although next year, and this will be interesting for your listeners, Glenn, uh, next year they announced that they're going to change the course. Um, so they're going to be starting at Manor and turning around at Gambrel's State Park and going back the other way. So like the finish, the, the end will be a huge downhill, which who knows if that'll be better or worse. <laughs> yeah, you never know, uh, you know, if your legs are tired and a little wobbly, going downhill might be uh, sort of problematic. But, you know, yeah. it sounds like you, you did the smart thing and, uh, you know, you, you 
created a finish goal once that a goal was a little bit out the window you you made it through and uh you earned your card so congrats on that dave thanks man yeah i i'm actually really really happy with this result um you know i put everything out there that i could and uh came in um you know in the top 50 which for me is is uh really great i'm happy with that um i think my official time was like eight hours and 18 minutes so not far off from that eight hour mark and uh, i hope to do the race again uh sometime and uh hopefully uh Crush that, crush that benchmark. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome, Dave. So now that you've earned your recovery for a little bit, uh, you know, what do you have up next? Uh, are you taking a little bit of a layoff or do you have uh, some other <laughs> races coming up here? So no rest for the weary. Um, so I'm actually in, um, like I mentioned, I, I, I um, have a coach, Meg Landymore, and she, I've been working with her um, with my eyes on my first hundred mile race in the fall. Uh, so I'm going to be running cloud splitter, uh, hundred, um, which is a pretty newish race down in Southwestern Virginia in the kind of panhandle of Virginia near Norton. And, uh, supposedly a real beautiful area of the, of, um, the Appalachian mountains. So I'm excited to get down there. But before that, um, I'm going to be running, uh, Maryland heat, uh, 50 K, uh, which is in just about a month. So that's at Patapsco and real great race. I, if there are entries, uh, open, um, you know, definitely jump on that. I think it's, I mean, it's hot obviously, but it's really well done. And, um, you know, the race director, Nick Yates, uh, was out there at Catoctin and uh, he's a super great guy and puts on a really great party at the end. So it's a fun one. Yeah, no rest for the weary. That's spoken like a true ultra runner. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Dave, uh, that's all really awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, if people wanted to follow you on social media and uh, see what sort of crazy races you're up to, uh, how could they do that? So my Instagram is at mtpirate adventures uh which basically stands stands for mountain pirate adventures um so mt pirate adventures uh yeah and uh definitely reach out if anybody wants to come trail running i'm, I'm always out there run a whole bunch uh with um in patapsco and uh every thursday night the faster bastards put on a uh thursday night trail run six o'clock at the park and ride um, the park and ride trailhead, which is on rolling road in Catonsville. Awesome. Dave. Thanks for coming on, man. I hope to see you out on the trail soon. All right, Glenn. Thanks so much, man. Take care. If you're looking to race in mid to late August, take a look at these events. On Sunday, August 11th at 8 a.m., head to Perry Hall for the Angel Park 5K and One Mile Family Fud Run, which takes place at Angel Park on Honeygo Boulevard. You can register for $35 for the 5K on roadsideup.com for runners ages 11 and older, and $30 for runners 10 and under. All participants in the One Mile Fun Run can register for just $20. Also on Sunday, August 11th at 9 a.m., 
Head up I-83 to run the Bunker Hill Trail Races presented by the Baltimore Roadrunners Club and Bart, uh, Bart Raid Race Director. This race begins in the Hereford area, the Gunpowder Falls State Park. It offers lots of beautiful single-track trails at a water crossing near the finish. You can elect to race either one or two 5.5-mile loops through the woods. If you love running in the woods and wading through a cold stream, then this is one you'll want to run. Go to www.brrc.com to learn more about the Bunker Hill Trail races and then show up a little early on August 11th to sign up on site. Later in the evening of August 11th at 6 p.m., run the Charm City Run 5K at Bordy Vineyards. This course is on a variety of surfaces, including grass, gravel, and road. The cost of registration is $50, and each participant will receive a short sleeve shirt and entry to the post-race party, which includes a glass of wine, live music, and food. This race benefits two charitable organizations, the March of Dimes, and their efforts to improve the health of mothers and their babies, and the Low Green Land Trust and their efforts to preserve rural lands for years to come. Be sure to arrive at Bordy before 5.30 p.m. on race day, as the course closes to traffic at that point up until 7 p.m. Go to runsignup.com to learn more about the Charm City Run 5K at Bordy Vineyards and to sign up. On Saturday, August 17th, starting at 7 a.m., head up to Manchester in Carroll County to participate in the River Valley Run Trail Festival, which includes four event distances, the one-mile charity run walk and 5K, 10K, and 15K trail races. The River Valley Run truly is one of the most loved trail races each year in the Baltimore area and has a number of unique challenges for runners, including steep hills, rooty trails, and a river crossing you could uh, cross using a single-lane tree bridge. And of course, you can probably count on stifling August heat and humidity. What's not to love about this race? Registration costs range from $55 for the 5K and up to $75 for the 15K. Go to rivervalleyranch.com to learn more about their trail festival and to sign up. Also on Saturday, August 17th, if you want a challenging road race, stay in the city for the dreaded Druid Hills 10K race presented by the Bald- I'm sorry, presented by the Falls Road Running Store and race director Megan DiGregorio. Megan discussed this race with us in her interview back at episode 15. This is the race that Baltimore area runners love to hate as it includes the challenging switchbacks that lie behind the Maryland Zoo in Druid Hill Park. A lot of hills and August heat and humidity. Did I mention there were hills? Despite those challenges, or perhaps because of them, this is one of the single uh, signature races each summer in Baltimore. It includes a great race experience, including a 16-ounce pint glass uh, for a finisher's gift and lots of fruit, bagels, and popsicles at the finish. Registration is just $25 in advance, or $30 on race day if you prefer not to receive a race shirt. However, you can add a race shirt for just $15 more. This year, it's a Nike tank with a very cool cheetah logo on it to commemorate the race. Go to active.com to learn more about the dreaded Druid Hills 10K and to sign up. I hope to see you there. I'll be there volunteering. At 8 a.m. on Sunday, August 18th, head to the Canton Waterfront Park to jump into the Family Fun Day 5K, which is another $5 5K, presented by the Baltimore City Department of Recreation and Parks. As I've described before, these are fun races that only require a quick sign-up on race day at a $5 registration fee, which supports youth recreation and parks programming in the city. If you want a low-key race, head to the Canton Waterfront Park on August 18th at 8 a.m. for the Family Fun Day 5K. Also at 8 a.m., 
on Sunday, August 18th, head to Patterson Park to run the GPS Too Hot to Trot 4 Biler, presented by the Baltimore Roadrunners Club and race directors Valencia Hike and Audrey Luca, both of whom are past guests of the podcast. This is the sixth race in the BRRC Grand Prix Series, in which members cut earn points towards winning awards at the end of the series. Of course, the race is also open to non-members. This race takes place completely within Patterson Park and has no road crossings, so you can really open things up out there on this course. Entry fees include a performance racing singlet and start at $25 for BRRC members and $30 for non-members. There will also be cash awards for the top three overall male and female finishers. Go to www.brrc.com to learn more about the Too Hot to Trot 4-Biler and to register. The inaugural Susquehanna River Running Festival was held on Saturday, September 15th of 2018. The premier race for this event is the Half Marathon, which begins at Deltailed Haver de Grace, crosses the Susquehanna River into Cecil County, crosses the river again, and finishes back on the Haver de Grace waterfront. I ran this race last year as the leader of the two-hour, 30-minute pace group, and I had a great time. To preview this year's race, it is my pleasure to welcome Dominic Corson, event organizer for the Susquehanna River Running Festival. Thanks for coming on, Dom. Oh, thanks for having me, Glenn. I really appreciate it. Oh, it, uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, it, I know it's no easy thing to create any sort of new running event, but this one has some special logistical challenges that make it a little more tricky to organize in most races. Uh, so what made you want to organize this running event, and uh, how did things go for you uh, managing all those things in the inaugural year? All right, well, first of all, how it got started is um, we are uh, the Alceski Scholarship Fund, and we've done 5Ks over the years and raised money for the scholarship fund, but we decided to, to do something a little bit bigger. And this idea probably started five or six years ago. And we kept at it and were very persistent and talked to various uh, governmental agencies to see how we could get it done. And we were, just kept working it and we got all the approvals last year and made it happen. So uh, overall, I think it went really well. It was a very complicated event to put together. I don't know that there's any race in Maryland that, that is really as complicated uh, logistically as what we put together as far as all the different uh, governmental agencies and jurisdictions we had to get approvals from. We had to get approvals from Harford County, Cecil County, City of Havity Grace, Town of Perryville, State Highway Administration, MDTA, and the VA. So <laughs> it was a lot. And to be able to bring that all together and make everybody happy and actually make a good event um, it was kind of a miracle, but, um, it went so well, we're going to do it again this year. We really want to make this an annual event and make it grow. Yeah. And it definitely did go really well that first year. You forgot to throw in that you had a hurricane scare in there, but you know, you did a good job keeping people informed and, uh, for a first year race, things, uh, went really well. Uh, so what makes your event special that would make a runner want to sign up for your event? Well, the obvious feature of this race is a bridge crossing. So um, after you run through uh, Union Avenue, uh, right through the heart of Haverty Grace, um, you will uh, make a couple of quick turns and you'll be up on the Hatem Bridge, which is about 1.2 miles one way. It crosses over into uh, Perryville, Cecil County. You'll run through the town of Perryville, really cute town, and then you'll hop on the VA uh, Perry Point uh, medical center and um, you run along the water beautiful views of uh, the Susquehanna River and Chesapeake Bay 
I was just out there a couple of days ago and I saw bald eagles out there, deer, um, I saw a blue heron. I mean, just it's a beautiful course. You run through there. Um, we're going to have veterans out there cheering you on. That'll be really cool. Um, we're also, and then when you come through, uh, you'll come back and cross the bridge again. So you actually get two bridge crossings. You come through downtown Haverty Grace and finish up at Tidings Park. And you'll be running by uh, the Concord Lighthouse, which is, I think, one of the oldest lighthouses on the East Coast. So it's a really scenic view. You get the feature of a bridge. It's relatively flat, so from a runner's point of view, it's the kind of course that you could do a PR because other than the approach to the bridge, there aren't really too many uh, upgrades. Um, so it's it's a pretty fast course. I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, really, the bridge was the only uh, hill to speak of uh, that runners would have to contend with. Uh, but you know, from my perspective as a runner, you left out some other really cool things about your event that I would have pointed out. Uh, the hot buffet at the end of the race, uh, you know, was a nice uh, touch. And again, just the town of Haverty Grace really came out and supported this event. People were outside on their uh, porches cheering us on, even though we were blocking up their town and uh, you know keeping them from being able to drive where they wanted. They they really did embrace the event and were happy to have us there. And you know, as runners. That makes you feel good when you feel welcome. Uh, so first year went well, but, you know, new elements. Uh, you know, every year races tweak things a little bit. Did you add anything new this year or make any key changes for this uh, 2019 event? Well, this year we're adding a 10K. So this year uh, the 10K will actually start at uh, Perry Point at the VA Medical Center. So, um you will get to run along the water, which is a beautiful run. It's all part of the same course, but it's the last 6.2 miles. So you will uh, start out at the um, Perryville or Perry Point uh, VA Medical Center, and you'll get to go through Perryville and cross the bridge, go through downtown Haverty Grace, do the same thing, the same finish, run by the lighthouse, and finish up at the park. And like you said, we'll have a great after party. So besides the food, uh, which um, we think is a great treat for the runners. Uh, we're also going to have live music. So this year we have Dennis Shockett will be there. He's a well-known musician uh, in the area. And uh, I think he's bringing a drummer, maybe somebody else along with him. So um, it'll be fun. It'll be a great event. I mean, a couple of other features I probably should mention that uh, runners need to know about is, and you're aware of it, you're part of the pace group. So not every event has a pace group. So if you're not really that experienced or you just want to know uh, where you want, you have a goal, a jump in with the pace group. It's a great way to do it. Um, we also have a UPS who's going to be the bag drop sponsor. So uh, not only will they be at the uh, start finish area at Tidings Park, we will also have them out at the 10K start. So that way you put your stuff on their uh, truck and then they'll drive it back to the finish line meeting you there. So you, you will have all your stuff secure. You'll have a little tag on your bag, on your um, uh, bib. And it'll be just your number, with, and which will go with your stuff at the bag drop. So it's going to be really cool to have that. Yeah. I mean, and we're also going to have shuttle buses too, Glenn. I forgot about that. There's so many things that I actually did a list, 25 reasons to, to do this event. It's on our Facebook page, or not the Facebook, but the website. There's so many things. Shuttle buses. So let's just say you're not familiar with Havity Grace. You don't know how to get through there or maybe you just don't want to park too far away, just park at Ripken Stadium or 
Hollywood Casino in Perryville. We'll bus you in. We'll drop you right off. We'll also take you out to the um, 10K start. That's the only way to get there, actually, is by bus. You can't drive to the 10K start. So we'll have that for you. Yeah, there, as I said, there, it seems like there's a lot of little touches that have been added to this event to make it more enjoyable uh, for the runners. And, uh, you know, I think that's the reason why it was so successful the first year. And hopefully, you know, you can drive even higher numbers this year, especially since, as you said, this is uh, a charitable race. It's put on by the Alceski Scholarship Fund. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the work that that organization does in the community and how this race supports those goals? Sure, I'd like to. So Al Seski Scholarship Fund is named after, obviously, a man by the name of Al Seski, who was a legendary coach and athletic director in Harford County. He was responsible for bringing a lot of different sports to high schools in Harford County, especially uh, girls' sports. And so he was really ahead of his time. Plus, he had some great undefeated teams, state champion football teams uh, back in the 60s. And then uh, he passed away suddenly uh, at a very young age. And so as soon as he passed away, all of his uh, friends and relatives put this uh, scholarship fund together. So it's been going now. I think we're in our 33rd year. We give away $54,000 a year to scholar athletes in Harford County. And so far, we've now given away $1.1 million in scholarship awards. So um, it's really important if, as a parent who has three kids who have all been through college and know what the expenses are like. And so... You know, these runners get $2,000 to $5,000 scholarships. So, um, you know, when you run this event, the net proceeds go directly to uh, the scholarships. Uh, we have no payroll, no expenses. This, this is a true 501c3 pass-through um, where all the net proceeds go to the kids. Yeah, and that's good for people to know. Uh, you know, people see, uh, you know, the cost of a race and they wonder how much of that's going in a race director's pocket. But in this case, it's all going directly to either pay for things for the event or, again, just uh, benefit some scholar athletes in Harford County. And, and that's definitely a worthwhile cause. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on to share a little bit about the Susquehanna River Running Festival with us. If people wanted to learn a little bit more about your event and hopefully to sign up, where could they do that? Well, you can. I would like to send you to two places. Our Facebook page has a lot of great pictures as well as you can look at the reviews from last year's event. You can see how well-received it was. So the Facebook page is just simply Susquehanna River Running Festival. And then also the website is srrf.org, or I think you can do susquehannarunfest.org. That will also get you there. That's terrific, Don. Uh, I appreciate your time, and I look forward to seeing you in Haver de Grace in September. Great. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Now it's time for Coach's Corner, where I'll be talking with Coach Buddy to get some advice for improving your running. Buddy Weber is an RRCA certified running coach with the Baltimore Roadrunners Club. Welcome back, Coach. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. What do you have for us this week? Uh, so this topic is for all level of runners. And uh, actually, this segment is probably uh, a month or two uh, behind. We probably should have had this sooner. Uh, but we're going to focus this episode on uh, how to run in warmer weather. Uh, right now, we're right in the middle of a heat wave. And 
ideally it would have been nice to have this uh, topic covered back in June, but we've had so many good things to share. Uh, however, as we enter August uh, and the dog days of summer, it's still time for uh, some good reminders. Uh, and in general, since uh, this topic uh, covers a wide range of runners from beginner to the elite alike, uh, I'm going to be pretty conservative with my recommendations. So uh, take into account your own fitness level and adjust accordingly. Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, um, you know, running in warmer weather, no matter what level of fitness you are, is, is plenty challenging. I, I could have used some of this advice this morning. Uh, running earlier probably would have helped, but, uh, you know, going out there in a 100-degree heat index was uh, no fun. So uh, what's your first uh, piece of advice for us? That That is a great uh, segue into our, our first part of, of this conversation, and it's when to run and when not to run. Uh, so first, uh, when to run. Uh, you really want to plan your runs to happen in the coolest part of the day. Uh, this is typically early in the mornings or later in the evenings when the sun go, uh, before the sun's come up or before the sun's gone down. Um, another option to beating the heat is uh, taking your uh, running off-road. Uh, running on trails may be cooler. Uh, and if you're not up to the challenge that comes with running trails, locally here in the Baltimore area, we have the NCR that provides a lot of tree coverage when uh, there's very little, and there's very little incline as well. Yeah, de definitely getting out of the sun, even if it's still warm, not being in that hot sun sometimes just makes it feel a little bit more palatable. So what else can we do? Uh, so here's some thoughts of, of when not to run. Uh, Anytime the temperatures are 80 and above, you really should take extra precautions. Uh, however, uh, the heat index is really a better indicator. This takes into account the impact of humidity. Again, the heat index increases into the 80s and the 90s. Adjust accordingly. And I would recommend not training outdoors in a heat index uh, of greater than body temperature as your body's internal cooling mechanism has a tough time keeping you cool. Another indicator of when to not to run is the air quality index. A anytime the air quality index is yellow or orange, you should take extra precautions. When the air quality is in the red zone, it's really to uh, take your training indoors. Uh, and while running in the rain can be refreshing, never, never run outdoors when there's a threat of severe weather, such as thunder, lightning, or, or flash floods. Yeah, and of course, running in the rain, if you're uh, in an area with traffic, could be pretty dangerous as well. Uh, cars might not see you. They might slip slide in the rain and, uh, you know, could be a really bad thing. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes uh, when it comes to the heat, uh, you know, we really, you know, if you've got a certain training plan and you've got uh, workouts to do, uh, you know, how do you adjust for that uh, in the hotter weather if you really just don't have much choice as to when you get your runs in? Well, let me give you a, one really good option, and our listeners may remember the Coach's Corner from way back in episode two, that the treadmill doesn't need to be the treadmill. There are plenty of workouts that you can do on a treadmill. Uh, you could probably get in five, six, maybe more miles, less than an hour. Uh, speed workouts really play out well on treadmills, uh, as, as do tempo runs. And if you're used to using the incline uh, feature on a treadmill, Getting hill work done on a treadmill, uh, it can be quite easy. And I'd encourage our listeners, go back to episode two uh, and, and li listen to uh, that segment. And uh, maybe you'll get some uh, ideas. However, uh, there are some precautions to take when it's hot out. Again, 
anytime if it's over 80 degrees, uh, you want to give this consideration. Uh, one, stay hydrated and start before you run, during your run, and afterwards as well. So kind of preload uh, with your uh, hydration. Uh, it typically uh, take uh, eight ounces, kind of sit uh, over the course of a half hour to an hour before you start your run, and that gets your hydration started. Uh, typically, if, if you hydrate, let's say, every half hour during a run, uh, you may want to increase that frequency uh, up to 50, every 15 minutes during a run. Uh, and then uh, after your run, hydrate, uh, get cool, and uh, make sure that uh, you're doing well. Uh, instead of straight water, you may want to consider using an electrolyte drink. Uh, this will help you replace the electrolytes uh, that are lost uh, during running uh, due to sweat. Uh, also, dress accordingly. Uh, wear lighter weight clothes and lighter color clothing as well. Uh, anytime that you're uh, in the, the sun's light, uh, lather up on sunscreen, uh, specifically anything that has FPS over uh, 15. Uh, and if you're running on the trails, be sure to put on tick and insect repellent. Uh, when you're running uh, anytime, just not in hot weather, uh, always let someone know where, when you and where you're going to be, and uh, give them the heads up once you're done and it, everything's good. Uh, if possible, run with a partner uh, and keep tabs on one another. Uh, another suggestion I give is to back off on the pace. Uh, the higher temperatures will have an impact on the perceived level of effort uh, as well as your heart rate. Um, and if you are running outdoors and it is on the hotter side, uh, consider scaling uh, back or maybe considering uh, not doing those hard workouts like tempo runs, hill repeats, or speed work. Um, good idea to take frequent walk breaks uh, during your workout. Uh, there's nothing that says that you have to run 60 straight minutes. Uh, a little walk uh, and drinking and hydrating during that little walk will, will keep you fresh. Uh, also, be sure to increase the amount of time you devote to cool down uh, and allow yourself to recover from uh, a hard workout in the heat. Couple things that uh, really are warning signs and that uh, you should stop your workout immediately if you're experiencing uh, signs of heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Uh, there are two different things. Uh, heat exhaustion is when your body is starting to feel uh, the impacts of, of the heat. You may feel fatigue weakness, headache, dizziness, nausea, vomiting. Uh, you may not feel so coordinated, maybe fainting a bit or uh, profusely sweating, uh, and your body may have a slightly elevated body temperature. And it's possible your blood pressure um, may drop. It's really important to get in a cool place, get rehydrated, and then seek medical attention if symptoms do not improve after stopping. Heat stroke on the other hand, is a severe medical emergency, and you must seek medical attention immediately. In short, you've already gone through or bypassed heat exhaustion completely, and you're experiencing high body temperature, lack of sweating, red and dry skin, altered consciousness, confusions, seizures, whole sorts of different things. The key here is that if you or someone is experiencing heat stroke, you must activate emergency services by dialing 911 immediately and work to bring the body temperature down by getting in a cool place, 
removing clothing, getting cool air on the skin, and applying ice packs on neck, underarms, and the groin area until emergency services arrive. Something you really don't want to mess with. Even if you're acclimated to the heat and you, you take all these precautions, you need to take precautions. And, and as I said before, you won't work your training plan, wreck your training plan if you miss a workout. Just be smart about running when it's hot out. Yeah, and you've given us a lot to think about there, buddy. So uh, I'm going to try to condense this down uh, to kind of some of the major things that I heard uh, in your advice. Uh, it's okay to slow down uh, and even adjust those training goals uh, so that you can avoid some of these negative impacts. Uh, stay hydrated. Uh, stay out of the sun if you can. Uh, you know, and then... Uh, you know, stay cool afterwards and just more than anything else, listen to your body and be kind to yourself. Uh, you know, we all want to go as fast as we can, but, uh, you know, really, uh, we got to take care of ourselves and, uh, make sure we're going to be well, uh, going forward after this. So I appreciate all that advice. And I think that might help a few folks. Uh, so, uh, with all that advice coach, uh, in case people had any other questions for you or wanted to reach out to you, uh, how could they do that? Uh, thanks. So the first thing that they should do is uh, check out the training pages on Baltimore Road Running Club site. Uh, that's at www.brrc.com. Uh, we've just started the latest round of half marathon training. I will be helping out with a group, even though I'm not uh, uh, leading that group this time. Uh, most frequently, you'll catch me out when they're training uh, out at Lock Raven. Uh, if people want to reach me directly. Uh, they can contact me at runningcoachbuddy at gmail.com or they can look me up on Twitter, runningcoachbud. All right. Thanks so much, Coach. Uh, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Len. Every time I see you, baby, feel like love is something new. For Baltimore's best running routes, we are continuing a series of running routes that highlight area parks. Gunpowder Falls State Park Sweet Air area is located in both Baltimore and Harford counties. As you head past farms and along the rolling hills to get there, it is hard to believe that the hustle and bustle of Baltimore is so nearby. That feeling is multiplied out on the Sweet Air trails, where you'll run on beautiful single-track trails through the woods along fields of corn and crossing the cold, clear water of the Little Gunpowder River in a few places. Beware the mud near the river, as you can lose a shoe in there if you're not careful, and it can get a bit slippery but it's lots of fun. I've posted a six-mile looped route on the show's website at runningaroundbmore.wixsite.com slash podcast that you can check out before you go, but there are numerous trails to, re to explore, so get out there, get muddy, get wet, and embrace your inner child out there at Gunpowder Falls State Park Sweet Air area. For this week's destination run, I'm not going to give you a specific route to explore. On the day that this episode is published, I will be on vacation in Mexico and in that spirit, I encourage you to find a beach and run on it. Running on the beach looks like fun, as we imagine that we are sprinting next to the water with a red rescue buoy in hand like David Hasselhoff or Pele Anderson in Baywatch. However, it is important to consider a few factors when running on the beach. First, shoes or no shoes. I prefer to be barefoot on the beach, but I like to wear zero-drop shoes as it is, so that's not a big change for me. Depending on your running preferences or the condition of the beach you're running on, shoes may be the smarter choice. 
Secondly, I suggest running in the morning. The sand is not as hot on your feet, and you're more likely to have a clear running path. Not to mention you can avoid the heat and some of the intense reflected sunlight off of the water. Thirdly, consider the condition of the sand. If the sand is firm underfoot, you may be able to run with something close to your normal stride. If the sand is soft and your feet sink into it, it is important to slow your pace, lean a little bit more forward in your posture, and try to land with your feet under you to ensure stability. Also, you can, may consider running along the water's edge where the sand is firm and packed down by the water. The main issue here, though, is that the sand is slanted close to the water and prolonged running on a slanted surface could be painful if you're not used to it. Lastly, remember to have fun with it. This is, for most runners, is something that you will do on vacation and should not be used as trading, but as an enjoyable diversion from your normal routine instead. Also, be okay with running shorter than normal training distances on the sand, as your body will likely get more tired running on the beach than it would on solid ground. So, with all that said, whether you're close to home or far away on vacation, get out there, find your beach, and enjoy your destination run. Before we get to this week's interview, I want to share some ways that you can connect with the show. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for the Running Around Baltimore podcast. I'll be posting periodically to provide show updates, and you can message me directly to share feedback on the episodes, make suggestions for future guests or segments, and ask any questions you may have. If there's an event that you would like for me to highlight, send me a message about it. If there's a person that you feel the community should get to know, I'm always looking for recommendations for future guests as well. We also have a show website at runningaroundbeatmore.wixsite.com slash podcast. There you will find all of the running routes shared on the show, links to the episodes on all the different podcast sites, and other key information. Also, it would be greatly appreciated if you'd subscribe to the show and write a review of your preferred podcast service, which helps to draw more listeners to the show. If you like what we're doing, tell your friends about it on social media or when you're out on your next group run. I really appreciate all the support. I couldn't do any of this without you. Without further interruption, let's get to this week's interview. Yo, check this. Living in my place. For this week's interview, I'll be speaking with Henry Peck, who has a long career as a runner and endurance athlete. Henry runs with the Baltimore Roadrunners Club and currently serves as the club's vice president. Henry, welcome to the Running Around Baltimore podcast. Hello, Glenn. It's great to be here. Just wanted to let you know that your uh, podcasts are just great. I think it's a good thing to uh, have this in Baltimore, and uh, we appreciate you having having that role. I appreciate your support, Henry. Uh, and you know, you're, you've had a long running career, and uh, you know, you've been in the Baltimore running scene a long time. But let's start at the beginning a little bit. Uh, when did you feel like you got hooked on running? Well, that's a good one. I um been running for about 50 years or almost that and what happened is uh, in high school I was uh, in a rural community and uh, played uh, as many sports as I could but I wasn't much football basketball baseball were where I try and failed enough and uh, I switched to soccer which was a great deal and I started running with the cross-country guys but I was I was all about soccer and then in the spring one year baseball came along and I, I wasn't much as a junior and so it was, you know, ride the bench or move on. So I moved on and I joined the track team that's that spring and have been running randomly ever since. 
So when you were a track runner, what uh, were your favorite events in high school? Were you a sprinter then, or were you definitely a long-distance guy as you are now? Well, I, I started in uh, mid-distance and distance. What we call mid-distance was quarters and halves and miles and two miles, but you did it all back then. This is a very rural thing. I, I squeezed in just enough workouts just so I could compete that junior year. And uh, back then, you know, it was a lot of goofing off. You know, you take the time off between sports. You just didn't do anything except for whatever you wanted to. So I, uh, I, could, I was fast. That was a blessing, you know, soccer and things like that. I could go and probably run a sprint. And if I learned the blocks, that would have been easy enough. But what I did is I, I ran the distance events and uh, would go out too fast and lock up and hopefully hang on. That was, that was the going rate back then. So... Then, you know, you're finished with your high school career. You're sort of a casual runner, you know, seems to be out there more for the team aspect than, you know, deciding that you wanted to be, you know, a crusher uh, and be at the top of, of the heap. Uh, but, you know, you kept with it and you've been a member of the Baltimore Roadrunners Club for a long time. Uh, how did you get hooked up with them? After um, school, I went to a Cornell and I didn't run for Cornell. I there's too much fear and uh, just not doing well for that. So after that, I moved to Baltimore um, vocationally, and I've been here ever since. So that's, you know, 40 years. And when I came here, um, I joined the running club and uh, occasionally ran races. And so, uh, you know, time flies. Here, here I am today. But back then, I had, I had, already, I had already toyed with marathons. Back in um, high school, you know, there'd be summer races, and I'd go and we'd just go do them. And uh, they were road races back then. We'd, uh, you know, went, run in our, the same shoes we wore to school, we'd run in, we'd race in. And, uh, you know, you're fast enough, and we would never go for a little short race because it wasn't worth our time. We'd run a five or ten miler or longer, and we called them marathons, even though they weren't marathon distances. This is way back in the early 70s. And then college came, and, uh, you know, you get, you know, kind of... Uh, interested in the Prefontaine story and the Frank Shorter, and, you know, Frank Shorter would drink beer before he run a marathon and all this stuff. So we thought that was cool. And so there was a test of like, can you do a marathon? And I did one. And then I, oh, that's three hour thing. So, you know, in the mid seventies, Boston was going, was the only marathon. And, um, it was going from hundreds of runners to thousands. And I joined on that bandwagon and, uh, qualified for Boston as a teenager and slug it out up there. And I uh, thought I would never run again because it wasn't my deal. I just but here I am, you know, people, people get hooked like that. So, so then, then I got to Baltimore and you, you just keep running. So here I am. So you've seen the club evolve over 40 plus years. Um, in what ways have you seen things evolve in a positive way? You know, improvements that it's made over the years. That's, that's a good story. Uh, the, um, in the seventies, a club like BRC would be typical of, uh, people who wanted to get after it. And so it was male dominated and, uh, we, um, it probably 10 to one, um, even progressives like me, we thought, you know, girls are great to compete, but we thought they should have their own races, which is terrible, terrible, terrible. I regret that. But the thing is that it, it was uh, male, fast, young, run hard. And, uh, I can remember, you know, um, you know, finishing like, you know, six minute miles and be in the middle of the pack and closing the course down when it's a uh, seven or eight minute miles. So it was like that. But then it quickly, um, the running boom brought everybody in. We started having older people and uh, ladies, and uh, these were all good things. So the, the, uh, the quantity of runners in our community has 
just exploded and it keeps having more booms and so it's just a big part now back then brc was indispensable when you look up in the paper the next race you probably see brc had the races we we kind of own that small group but uh today there's there's so many ventures there's there's literally dozens of races you can run every weekend and weeknight races and uh, so we're part of a bigger scene now yeah absolutely and you know with all the run crews there's plenty of groups to run with and it seems like whatever your demographic is there's there's a group for that so the clubs had to evolve over the years and that's a good thing but there might also be some things that you know you think back and think you know maybe we should get back to that so in what ways might you like to see the club return to its roots well, that's a good question. You know, I don't know if we'll ever go back to our roots. You know, the more things, have, they just not, we just can't go back to that. Um, we have um, a different role today. There's lots of things that are needed in Baltimore for our running. Um, the ultra scene's a little thin. We have to go to destinations. Our um, BRC um, is a great um, anchor in races, and we've moved back to the city a little bit. Um, we certainly got it over as far as having girls. We are half girls. We are, um, we've moved some races back to the city. We've trail running, trail running is huge in the country. It's taken off and it's indispensable. And in our area, um, we've taken it on to have, uh, more trail races and, uh, we've even had, have some night races, which is very hard in Baltimore. Most of the country we have night racing opportunities, headlamp city and all kinds of stuff. And it's hard to find a venue here. So we took it upon ourselves to, to throw some of those at it. So. We are um, changing with the times. I don't see us ever getting back to the real guts and glory stuff of, uh, you know, seeing who's fastest every weekend and uh, training in between to, to uh, run faster. Uh, that's a great perspective, Henry, you know, that we can't just try to turn back time. Uh, but, you know, I think the club is definitely trying to evolve and, and keep up and, and keep a vital role. So you've been involved in, in many different aspects of the club as a runner, as a past president, you know, board member. Uh, race director, um, but if you had to pick one or two, what would be your most proud accomplishments from your involvement with the club over the years? Good question. I, I um, became more active recently. Um, you know, for many years when you're running now and then and you know, only seasonal running, I, I, I was a member of the club, so you'd occasionally um, run races, but you'd certainly keep track of things and you'd um, eye the newsletter and all that, but lately I've, I've been more in a leadership role. And the things that we've done, and, and where uh, Valencia and Johnny and the whole crew have really helped, Bart, is, is we have all but created the trail running scene. There was, there was some of that for the last 10, 20 years, and uh, this is great going, but now it's indispensable. Without our trail running, we wouldn't probably have a great scene in Baltimore. And we've also um, had uh, some fun runs, which is a big part of Baltimore. There's a lot of fun runs, but we've added um, basically one a year. We've got our Christmas run. We've got a Halloween run. We added a Cinco de Mayo run. And, and you know, we're going to plug a few of those. Um, we're adding to that. That's uh, part of the running community and um, a, a very, it, it's good for Baltimore. It fits right in. You know, any person, any distance is kind of our, our, our my current motto. So um, the team has, has done that and we're going to continue going that way. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, I, I definitely see that the club is going in the direction of trying to be more inclusive, uh, offering more options in more places, uh, you know, to engage that larger audience and, and stay in the mix with all these different groups um, that have come up over the years. 
But let's take a, a, a little turn here and, and talk about your running. Uh, to be kind here, we'll say that you reach grandmaster status at this point in your running career, but you still finish better than mid-pack at most local and regional races that you participate in. So, uh, you know, which is amazing. So to what do you owe your longevity and your ability to maintain high levels of performance at an um, advanced age? Well, there you go. I, well, it's definitely not training. I've never been much of a trainer. You know, I'm probably not that easily coached. I don't have a coach, and I'm not very coachable. This is, after all, I'm a peck. But the the uh, I I race as many miles as I train. This has not been that hard because I do race a lot of miles. There's a lot of ultras in there. I uh, and I've been doing that for a few years, probably more than five. And I very sensitive about injuries. I've <laughs> and we all have them. Heck, I feel like I had a couple this week. But the uh, but you get through it, and um, I'm very careful. My my uh, my gait is um, a big part of me. I can run different ways, and um, I'm very conscious of how to run. I've, I've had to do that. I had my hip uh, replaced uh, a few years ago, and uh, so that was a, a moment of like, uh-oh, can I keep going? And uh, so I'm even more careful now than I used to be. Now, that, that said, it keeps you from um, doing hard work. I don't like um, going at more than like 90%, so my sprint's gone, because when I do that, there's just a little bit of, almost imperceptible, but not to me, of a, of a gate thing, and I just don't like that asymmetry, so I'm not going there. So that's, that's been a little bit of a, a hindrance, but um, I can run. Um, I'm blessed with uh, quick feet, and um, my endurance is I'm always fit. I don't worry about that a bit anymore. I, I can jump into an ultra with a day or two to go, and um, the days of like peaking and all that, I just, I just don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll lay down a couple of big runs together and all the better. The hotter, the worse it is. I mean, right now it's terrible. It's 100 degrees and I'm going to do Algonc or uh, um, Catoctin tomorrow. And uh, I'm not sure I can finish. It's, uh, it's too much. It's, you shouldn't be out there. But, uh, I'm, you know, fearless and I'll just be very careful about my gait. I'll run efficient as I can. And the science will come out out of it, and uh, you know it's a it's a blast. I can't tell you how how cool it'll be just to find. I'm very anxious to see what goes down there. Yeah, I, that was definitely going to be something I was going to talk about with the. You know, I'm thinking of doctors. You know, you had an orthopedic surgeon who worked on your hips. You probably see a physician to look after your health, and you tell them what you're doing, and they're probably thinking, I don't know, should you really be doing this? So. Uh, you know, you're against conventional wisdom, I guess, or conventional advice about what people should be doing, you know, to promote longevity, uh, you know, taking on dangerous things like running in a hundred degree heat up a mountain, uh, you know, might not be the safest thing in the world. So uh, where's your motivation come from to maybe defy popular convention or uh, even medical advice to say, you know what, this is something that I want to do and I can do. Uh, you know, what motivates you to kind of uh, buck the, the trends or the uh, conventional wisdom there? Oh, this is good. Hey, so, um, just uh, you mind my check with your doctor first because I'm going against the grain here on some of this, but I, I, um, I would say that um, the more you know, the less you know. I don't believe that um, running is as good for us as we think we think it is. There, let me just say that. I'm not a health nut. But it's also um, not bad for you. The, the, uh, the deal is um, you, you should be a little fearless. I mean, it's, it's really, the track record for running is fantastic. 
we go out there in these ultra scenes and we stress it to the point of passing out and getting beat down and all this stuff. But the track record and the safety of it is unbelievable. It's probably safer there than to drive home. The biggest thing about an ultra is driving home. Do you fall asleep on the road? Stuff like that. So I'm not a bit worried about that part. And the other thing is, is mental um, health. It's, it's um, natural, um, completely natural and um, good for you to, to have ambitions like this. And running is about the most generically cool thing to do. That and really almost all you know, endurance sports have their point. But when you, when you do stuff like that, you, um, you, you're, you're in your zone. There is no better place to be, and it's, it's a very healthy spot, that moment. And it stays with you, especially when you, when you get done. It's like you carry that with you, and you might carry it. Some of these, some of these things you carry with you to your dead. I mean, I assume. I'm not there yet, but, you know, there's, there's that. Well, thanks for that perspective. And uh, it, it definitely is the sort of thing that if you can do uh, these kind of hard things in running or other endurance sports, you can do hard things other places. If you can take on a tough challenge here, you could take it on in, you know, in your work or, you know, maybe take a, a risk and, you know, maybe ask somebody out or whatever it might be uh, that you might not normally do. You kind of work up that courage. You've got the courage to do these adventures and, you know, maybe you have the courage to do something else, uh, which, again, this sort of fearless spirit has led to many accomplishments for you as a runner. Uh, the one that I find to be most impressive is your completion of the Grand Slab of Ultra running a few years back. Uh, so can you share with our listeners a little bit about that experience and what that summer of running was like for you? It was great. It was great, no question. It was not the only thing I've done, but it stands out because it's so well known to, to do that kind of thing. I, I The summer before... Um, my hip went bad, and so I, I was done. I couldn't run. You know, you go a couple hundred yards or some random amount, and it's just too much pain, and the bones are grinding, and you're like, ooh, and you pull up. So there's no, like, walking it off. You have to stand on the other foot and go back. So I was done. Okay, so we got to do something. So I got that done, and then I was already in on Western States, and it wasn't my first Western States, but, you know, it's still a lottery gig, so you can't pass that up. <laughs> I had to go. So, so that became vital. Can I run again and what's going to happen here? So it was all out mission and I uh, got it done in September 9th um, and uh, it was 2015 and a few weeks later I was um, trotting super carefully. They, you know, the, the recommendation is, is, you know, walk crutches and stuff like that. But I can tell you that the big guys that get their hips replaced um, are not as easy as on it as I am when I'm trotting very slowly, like a, a, you know, just really carefully and I smooth ground. So, so I immediately got into that and, and I, and I, and I brought it around and 39 weeks later was Western States and, um, did that. And it was like t today, it was just hot and it was just bad. And I, you know, it, it, that's not the hardest course in the world. It really isn't. I got blessed. I can, I can move through there at the 30 hour cutoff's not a problem. I can be several hours ahead of that, but I used it all up because I passed out on a, and uh, coming up to Devil's Thumb all the way, crumpled right down. It's just just too hot. I just had to wait for the, the gods to say, "Hey, you're waking up and get up." And then got to the aid station, and you know they throw water on you. Can you drink? I'm so of course I can drink. I got that, and I'm I'm done. I'm 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 done. I they they're I'm I'm done. <laughs> but they say, "No, you got to go." And they pick me up, and I go down. And the horn goes off. I barely make the cutoff, and I'm like just laughing. I'm not going to make it to the next aid station for God's sake. And, but I did, and I just started running. I was fine, and I ran the next 360 miles, and 
finish the darn Grand Slam. So, anyways, there's that. Leadville's always hard. That's probably the that's definitely the hardest one as far as um, making the cutoff. That's one of the few places that I've run into where I'm still not. Um, I have you, you don't have time to nap. Let's put it that way. I, I, you have to keep right down to it. And when you have bad patches, whether it's your eating or altitude or whatever is combined to drive you nuts, you've got to keep going because you don't have many hours to spare there. So that was the hardest one, um, except for um, the Western States episode. And other than that, it was just a, a party. I just uh, finished with the time to spare. I lollygagged my way through um, Vermont and Wasatch a little bit because I had time to spare and I just wanted to be sure I could. And, uh, you know, I had the gang of support the whole way. So it was a pretty good summer, 11 weeks. And, and I finished the Wasatch exactly 365 days after um, the hip surgery. So that was a, a moment of curiosity. So I had some special recognition at the finish. They, they thought that was cool. And I was probably the oldest. Uh, I was, I'm one of the oldest people to finish the Grand Slam. That, that's cool. And, and certainly the only one maybe with a hip implant. So, so there you go. Yeah, that, and that's fantastic. Um, you know, to be able to do it at all is amazing. But to be able to do it, uh, you know, within a year of a hip replacement is just amazing. And it's an experience you got to share with so many friends. Because when p people who may not know about these 100-mile races, unlike a, a marathon, you're not usually just going to rely on the aid station uh, volunteers to assist you. You could have people to run along with you or... Uh, you know, bring special things for you at these aid stations. So I know that uh, for some of those Grand Slam races, your son Graham, uh, who is a seriously fast runner as well, uh, was there with you. I know that your wife, Leah, met her out on the run, uh, dedicated and accomplished runner as well. Uh, how important has running been to the Peck family over the years? Well, there you go. Um, it, it's not my day. Um, the, the fam kills it. Let's see. Um, my my kids are are it today. They're 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 fast, just plain fast. Um, my son ran for Saucony for uh, I think two or three years. Um, was knocked down a two twenty three five six couple two twenty sixes at Boston, and uh, he's just a very disciplined um, athlete. He he's uh, on the shelf right now, but underneath it all, you wouldn't want to take him on on a climb on bikes and stuff like that. He's he's a beast. My daughter's just as quick. She ran for High Point and. Uh, She's uh, running again now, which is just like us. I mean, we weekend warriors. She's self-trained and all, but she's she's uh, she's killing it and uh, very quick feet. And uh, the late bloomer is um, my wife Lee, and she didn't run much really in any way, um, and uh, as far as except for you know casual road runs until recent years. And now she's the best age creator in the family. She's she's it. She's as fast as ever and uh, just killing it. We're going to uh, Berlin in September. And on qualifying times, Berlin's pretty pretty steep. The uh, qualifying time for me, for instance, is like a half an hour steeper than Boston. So I, I sneak in that way, and, and she's going as well. So the fam's killing it. I, I know, I'll, I'll throw this out. There was a marathon at uh, Corning um, a few years ago, and our four, the four of us ran, and we were about 12 and a half hours combined for the four of us. So that uh, under the wire has probably got some kind of recognition somewhere. And then um, the fastest in the family is are my, are my dogs, namely Shane. Probably he's he's the beast. He's uh, sitting with us right now, Glenn, as you know, and uh, he wants to go all the time. I've I've taken him on our our ski races. We do cross country ski races, and and uh, I enter the uh, the skijoring races with him. We take him all the way out to Wisconsin, and 
against those pros that are bred and trained. We are in the mix, and it isn't on my shoulders. It's uh, it's on Shane. He's he's good. So uh, and I've I've taken him on ultra runs too. So um, he's got uh, if you Google up, you'll see that Kev Hahn has a race, uh, um, uh, Trails for Tails. It's a forty mile run. And we finished fourth, and he's the only dog to ever finish that race. And it's it's hot out. I mean, it's in the summer. So, like, you know, taking that down in the middle of the day, that's Shane, dude. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, never heard of a dog go, going for that long of a trail run and, and uh, just crushing it. I mean, he's sleeping right now, but, uh, you know, I'm sure in a little while he's going to be dragging you around uh, the neighborhood. Um, so you kind of mentioned a few other things you're – not just a runner, but you're also involved in other endurance sports. Um, so cross-country skiing, not really a popular sport in the Maryland area, not a, a lot of access in the Baltimore area for that. So, you know, how did you get involved in that? Um, you know, is that more of your you know, upstate New York uh, experience got you into that? Yeah, all day. Upstate New York, yeah. I lived uh, near Lake Ontario, very rural. Um, we'd have ice. Um, my winter sport would be um, ice, would be hockey, pick up on the ponds. I'd keep that rink clear, and uh, some of us did that. And, you know, Wild World Sports, you, you're jumping tires. So I'd be fast. We'd, we'd try to see if we can do it. And I, I can jump about six tires and, and just going over it and crashing at the end. So that was part of the fun. we do that, and, of course, you get into the skating motion. So skating leads to other things. And so um, speed skating became, um, in Maryland, I've done a little bit of that back in the day. I'd do um, indoor speed skating because... That caught my fancy. We, you know, it started to be on TV. There was the indoor speed skating, and it was uh, fairly reckless. So practicing that was uh, locally was cool, and uh, and I did that. And um, also um, cross country skiing. Everybody does some of that up there, and it and it's like running. It's a it's a you know endurance. Get after it. Depends on how far you go, but it's definitely limited by how good your wind is and how fast your legs go and basic stuff. And what happened was uh, Bill Cope won the uh, silver at the Olympics, and I was like, whoa. Look at that. So we started skate skiing because uh, that was the new thing. And uh, so I've been skate skiing off and on ever since. And there's a, a, there's a world loppet. There's a number of races around the world. And uh, I've done a couple of those. And I wouldn't mind doing more. I just have to make the time for it. But those are adventures. My wife and I can do it. But, you know, they're typically 50K or more or less and uh, take several hours. And so definitely an endurance thing. And we don't, it's not like the Marylands where we avoid hills. Man, they throw it at you. You, you do some beast i mean it's like total total get after it and yeah from maryland yeah yeah yeah. you gotta you gotta you, you've got to muscle up and get your head in the game and find a little time to train because otherwise um it might not even be possible but you know if you got the style and and you get after it i i, I can still do that so there's an event that i i noticed that you take part in pretty much every year called the berkey so Tell us a little bit about the Berkey and what you like about that event that uh, brings you back, uh, you know, year after year. The Berkey is in Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, and um, it's a um, it's the mecca for cross country skiing. In in running, we've got Boston, we've got Chicago, we've got New York, and all that stuff. The Berkey is about ten thousand skiers deep, and um, that's uh, about ten times as big as the next biggest ski race anywhere. So it is it. You uh, you qualify or you, you enter you enter you get you get classes so you can enter even if you're novice but good luck with that you'll want to do one of the shorter races because there are cutoffs so we all go up there and we take over a little town and uh, it's a destination you make friends it's a lot like running it's like the ultra world but it is the Boston it is 
it is the community. So there's the Berkey, and that's our also our U.S. World Lapid stop. There's uh, the Cascanada in uh, Canada, which is um, in the Ottawa area. That's that's another one you you got to put on your bucket list. You got to do that one. And then there's uh, they're all over the world, and they go seasonally. I mean, the Southern Hemisphere gets a couple in the in what we call our summer here. As you go, you go down to Argentina or New Zealand and knock those off. So you know, there's there's a I'm not going to get them all done. <laughs> it's going to be me short, but uh, if you get ten, you're 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 a player. Now you're now you're a a master on that. So you got you keep track of that. There's a passport that you get that you knock them off. So if you were a Scandinavian or something, you'd know all about that. But or or if you're just me. <laughs> yeah, that, it's definitely a, a niche sport, especially for you know things that are popular in other places. Maybe not so popular here, but uh, you know you seem to have your hand in a lot of other things, which brings me to my question about your fastest marathon. Did it come as a runner or maybe as a rollerblader? I know I've seen you do a rollerblading marathon and it was pretty lightning fast. So, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about that. The, the rollerblading thing is, uh, inline skating is, is cool. Um, it, it took off in the 80s. If you were around and noticing then, you'd see that there was road races. And we, we had a few in the area and they, all across the country as a pros and teams rollerblading people would put things together so get a touch of that but it died and I'm not sure um, why it's, it's a it's a fantastic um, sport you you boy you get in shape but there's a little bit of fear and it's probably not that in, it definitely isn't that inclusive you have to have um, skating ability which means you know you've got to be a pretty good ice skater or something like that to, to practice to get that safety down and the accents are probably not the best thing for America, maybe. Um, they have a lot of lawyers, you know. And um, so, and the venues are tough. It, you know, you have to have smooth and wide and space. And so it's never going it, to, so anyways, it, it died. So I thought. But I met the Wisconsin people, and they still do it up there. That community up there in Minnesota and Wisconsin, they've been, they train all year for their skiing. So they're out there with their roller skis and roller blades and bicycles. And so they got a nice thing. So I found out, and it has never died up there. There's still the Duluth Inline Marathon. It's on the Grandma's course. So I know a lot of your listeners will know the Grandma's Marathon. Very cool. Okay, so that knocked that off in June. But they come right back in September with the Duluth Inline. They've got 1,000 people up there every year, about 1,000 people. I couldn't believe it. So when I found out about that, I set my sights on that and took the, did that last fall, 89 minutes. Um, I didn't, I, I, I had no qualifiers, so I had to start in the back, so I'm not in any pace lines, so I muscled 89 minutes. Okay, very cool. It's, it was a good retro thing to do. I, uh, I'm, um, I'm on it. So this fall, the bigger one, is in um, Germany, the Berlin Marathon. The day before the Berlin Marathon, if you've been there, is the Berlin Inline Marathon, and it is the beast. It is, there's a lot of inlines across the world, but this is the one. Uh, I don't know, maybe 10,000 people or so. So I'm going to that. Do that today, and then the next day, the Berlin Marathon. That's one of the things this fall. That's amazing. Back-to-back -back marathons. And, uh, you know, I know Kipchoge has been trying to hit a two-hour marathon. I mean, you've already got a beat on that. He doesn't need to know what you did it on rollerblades. But, uh, you know, that that's a pretty cool thing. I think that could be... Uh, you know, maybe a little subculture we could develop. Uh, you know, I think that would be kind of a cool thing to bring back a little bit of a retro touch. So talking about the running community here in Baltimore, uh, you know, you've seen it, you know, evolve over, you know, many decades. Uh, you know, what do you find most special about the running community that we have here? Most special? Well, it, 
there's a lot of groups. I, I give you that. We're very diverse. Um, it's not that our runners are, are especially fast. They're not. It's not that we have especially um, good um, races. Um, they're all over the country, so ours are just in the hunt. They really aren't uh, much for um, people coming here to run our races. In fact, we lack on that. We could do a better job with our running festival as far as having appeal across outside of our area, if you will. Um, but the community of running is diverse. It's uh, just like anywhere. We've it's a uh, You've, you've got all kinds of places to run. Every day, there's more than one thing to do. And you can join a number of different groups. And, uh, and there's probably, it's so diverse, I don't know if there's any leadership as much as there's camaraderie across groups. I feel like I'm a part of uh, almost any group. I can look somebody in the eye and I know people. And, uh, and this is, this is kind of cool. Um, the, uh, and, and we've got road trips, too. I mean, we adventure out. There's a pile of uh, runners going to all these ultras around our, not only our region, um, but uh, further out. Uh, people like to go to um, Vermont's this weekend, and there's a pile going there. And there's Rosaryville and Cat this weekend, so you've got ultra choices locally just outside of town. And then uh, there's road races in town. So, I mean, pick your poison. You can, you, can, you can find it. And then if you don't want to do that, you can go and run in the morning with, with groups at the parks. They're all very organized. There's there's plenty going down. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. Uh, you know, I'm a member. Uh, you know, there's not really membership in a lot of these groups, but you know, I kind of work with a bunch of different groups. Run, you know, almost every time I run now, it seems to be with others because there's just so many different things to do, and there's people to see, and that camaraderie is definitely there. I'm going with a group down to do uh, Richmond Marathon in the fall, and. You know, so, you know, it definitely seems to be that there's a good bit of pride there. Uh, but, yeah, maybe leadership, maybe a little bit better promotion is something uh, that we might need going forward, uh, you know, so others can see what we're doing. Uh, so I, one of our last questions here before we get to the kind of fun cool down questions, uh, you know, you're a man of many roles, many accomplishments, husband, father, business owner, runner, many other things. Uh, but let's talk about the role that running has played in the greater context of your life. Uh, you know, is it just something you do? Is it something that you are a runner? You know, kind of where does it fit into the picture of Henry Peck? Well, it's good. I, I'll, I'll say running is um, the core of all sports. I like all sports. I'm a big fan of sports. I just went to women's soccer championships in France, and that's not unusual kind of gig for me. I'm committed to that whole thing. Um, the, 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 in my life, um, I wasn't, you know, I'm growing up very rural, very modest, and, uh, you know, sports are something I liked, but I wasn't much. Terribly nearsighted, thin, farm boy, without really any coaching skills of much there. But, you know, you find yourself, and so you, that was a big deal. When I finally found myself on the soccer field, and a little bit of running and stuff like that, the, um, I, I, I learned social and leadership skills for real. And uh, before that, you know, you might be smart kid in class in the back, you know, but the, uh, after that, um, I found my way. So I would not be here interviewing with you without sports. There's, there's a fact. And it has little to do with like running fast or running not so fast or whatever. It has to do with leadership skills and confidence. So sports are, um, and activities like that are indispensable. They trans they transcend us it's all about everybody kids today kids yesterday the, the whole thing so i believe that uh, just like jfk said you know uh, without sports without our health um, all societies die that's that's the deal that's how we do not 
that, that, that will be our determinant thing on how far we go through generations. Yeah, I, and that's definitely a great perspective to share, Henry, and I thank you for it. And uh, I really appreciate the time you've been able to share with us so far. So we're going to do just a fun few little cool-down questions here. And you actually, uh, you brought this up. You're an avid fan of the U.S. women's national soccer team, traveled to France for the World Cup. Uh, so when did you become a super fan? And, uh, you know, what has been your favorite experience as, you know, a rabid follower of their team? You know, perhaps your recent man in the bar interview with Fox News. <laughs> yeah, they cut me off a lot there. You know, it was precious time. But, but yeah, the the, um, the uh, you know I signed up for that months ago, all on the bet that the team would go that far, and uh, that was a that was a pretty safe bet. But you know, it's an all-in thing. I, I like that. You know, you just put your put your time where your where your mouth is. You know, go get it. And um, I like the way they play. They they they. They're not China dolls. They 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 knock it dead. They they're brash. I get that, but you know who isn't? If you're gonna if you're gonna play the game, and I believe they know the bigger picture. It's not about winning and losing. It's 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 harder to learn how to lose than it is to win. Any coach knows that. I've been down that path plenty, and uh, they get it. It's the bigger picture. I saw women playing. You just seen the Italian team. Oh my God, they didn't have a team a number of years ago. Just a few years ago. Now they do, and they're like national heroes. And it's all for really a rising generation of gals in that country, who are not home. No no offense to any of that lifestyle, but they're but they're out and uh, they're finding their way. They're finding their ways in the world. And you know, you look at the world, and yeah, something like half the women in the world can't even vote. So this is a, a symbolic of that. You know, they've got a, they've got a place, and the, the passion out there to um, to uh, bring it on sports is not um, it, it's not unrelated to women getting ahead in the world. So there there's there's my perspective on on why I was there. Yeah, and thanks for sharing that, Henry. I mean, it definitely, you know, they became embroiled in sort of a, a bigger uh, discussion about, you know, how people should act and, and about access and, you know, equal uh, equal pay in sports and things like that. But more than anything else, uh, it's important to remember that they had a dream and they went out there to achieve a goal and they did what they had to do to get it and they crushed it and, and had a lot of fun doing it work together. So... I think I was most inspired by that. Uh, you know, definitely enjoy the way they play there. So let's talk about future running adventures. Uh, if you had one race left to run or one more running adventure to do, what would it be? Well, there's, there's a good one. I, I, you know, um, life is short. There's just a thousand things you want to do and you're not going to be able to do them. There's some I, I can't do. Um, you know, like a bad water, I, I can't do it. They won't want me. I, I would need too many ice vests. I'd be too inconvenient. <laughs> I don't even know they want me back at Western States in Leadville. It's getting down to it. So, you know, there, there's that. I, I haven't done a 200-mile run. Okay, I know I can do it. And especially, it, actually, as hard as that sounds, it's probably easier now because you guys will all think I'm great just for finishing. So I don't really have to worry about my time. I just have to, you know, make it. So there, there's that. And as long as I'm who I am, I, I'm pretty sure I can do that. So there's that. Um, oh, there's th there's adventures like presidential range, and that would be cool. I haven't done that. That's a bucket list kind of thing. I've uh, I've, I've got some you know kind of shorter term things on the agenda which are going to be doable. I you know Woodstock hundred this fall. I'm going to 
Stone Mill followed by JFK, Bam Bam, a couple of 50s. And a, I mean, I've done that kind of thing a lot tougher than that. So I, I'm going to do some of that. And uh, the Berlin Marathon isn't much. I, I have an excuse for not being all I can be probably because I'm going to do the inline the day before. And that's a nice excuse to have because now I can, again, it's it's no pressure. I, I just don't want to fall on the inline. I got to stay away from the pace lines as best I can and still get a good time. So there, there's that. And uh, as far as other adventures, I, I haven't done a, a good timed race. You know, if you look at my, my stuff, I got a 120 or so ultras, but I think all but one are, are like, you know, the 50K, 50 mile, 100K, 100 mile. I mean, they're all like distances, the traditional stuff, which is what 90% of it is. But around Baltimore, there's um, a passion for timed races, like, you know, 24 hour or, or something like that. And I've hardly done that. So I, I probably owe myself a a good run at that, I, I think I'd be okay at that. I think age grade, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lose. That's the way I'm going to go into it anyways. I'm going to claim it and go get it. That's, that would be um, my way. And maybe, maybe I'll make it. I don't know. But uh, there's, there's those, those things. And it's definitely clear that you're not ready to slow down or, or pack it in at this point. And, you know, there's a lot of things you have left that you want to do and, and it, it's good that you still can do it and, and that we all can. Uh, so last question for you, and this is just uh, the gratitude question in running or in life in general. What are you most grateful for at this point? Most grateful for? I, you know, everything. Um, I, 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 I can sit here and talk to you. That's cool. They, anybody cares. That's, that's great. Um, maybe a little role playing there and I, you know, hopefully can give back and do some things that people have done for me. I, uh, I, you know, when you have your health, you have everything. That's an old, old term, but that's, that's true. I, uh, I'm still able to do it. All right, Henry, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Um, and, you know, this was an awesome discussion, and I really treasure it. If people wanted to reach out to you uh, to connect with you on social media, is there a way they could do that? Yeah, I, I'm not too hard to find. Um, you know, being BRC, you can you can always write us there. I'm on InfoAd and, and VPAd and all that. But also, um, you can just find me on Facebook. I'm I'm out there. You can Google me, and I'll I'll be miserably out there. All right. Thanks again, Henry. Uh, I hope to see you out there on the roads or the trails soon, buddy. Before we wrap up episode 17, I want to thank those who helped to make it possible. Thank you to Buddy Weber and Dave Seal for sharing your experience at your recent races. Check them out on social media to follow their running journeys. Thank you to Dominic Corson for sharing the wonderful things that runners have to look forward to at the Susquehanna River Running Festival on Saturday, September 28th. Go to www.susquehannarunfest.org for more information and to sign up. Thanks to Coach Buddy Weber from the Baltimore Roadrunners Club for his coaching advice. If you want to reach out to Buddy directly, you can do so by email at runningcoachbuddy at gmail.com or at runningcoachbud on Twitter. And of course, thank you to Henry Peck for a great interview. You can follow Henry on social media or you can see him out at a local race nearly every weekend. Henry is a great ambassador for the local running community and he's not hard to find if you wanted to say hi. A special thank you goes out to the Kelly Bell Band for the use of your music in the podcast. Go to www.kellybellband.com for more information on this incredible band and to find out where they will be playing. They put on an awesome live show, so get out there and see them soon.
Last but not least, I want to thank each and every one of you for your support of the podcast and for telling your friends about it. I make this podcast for you, and it wouldn't exist without your support. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode, but until then, stay cool, and I hope to see you running around Baltimore.